0: Welcome to the Dental Amigos Podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and Attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery. I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be talking, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Here we are in Season 2, where we're talking about associate agreements from a practice owner's perspective. In Season 1, we talked about the same topic on the other side of the coin from an associate's perspective. Shoes on the other foot. (laughs) <laughs> it is but you know as we've say throughout uh there's good information here for, for sure. both sides of this you know it's kind of like bill belichick stealing the plays not to sound like a philadelphia football fan uh, but it's good to know what the other person's thinking yeah right? exactly and, good point point. and what their expectations are so today we are going to talk about who to hire so paul goodman a practice owner uh, you work in the in the space of helping people to find associates. Yeah. Um, you talk to associates a lot about helping them to find yeah. a job, but you know, as a practice owner, Dr. Goodman, here you are. Who do you hire?
2: It's such a great question. I just don't think practice owners and their advisors think about enough without judging themselves. I mean, before you get ready to hire, thinking, who is the type of associate that would fit best in my practice? Because practice owners, you know your practice, right? And you know who would fit best. And it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a clone of you. A lot of times, Rob, that's not the best fit. But, you know, when we talk about who to hire in our practice, you know, in I think there's a lot of classic ways to find who fits on your team. I think a lot of the attitude they have is important, the attitude they have towards their profession, but also the attitudes they have towards people in your office. So I think, you know, when we started to talk about who to hire, how to find dentists with the right attitude, it's really just like we've talked about over and over, creating your opportunities for yourself to really know. What new dentists are like? What are the challenges they're facing? And also, you know, I also wanna flip the script. It doesn't have to be a new dentist, it could be a dentist who has right. sold their practice and come in to work with you. Are you the type of practice owner, Rob, and you're who to hire that likes to train people from scratch and just know that they just graduated a residency program and teach them A, B, C, D, and E? Or is it, are you someone who wants someone with experience and you have the mental flexibility that if they put the blue pen a little bit over here, Rob, and you put the black pen over here, Uh you're not going to have a nervous breakdown. Right. So I think attitude and skill set are two good things to start with.
1: Right. And it's interesting you say, too, like you don't want it to be necessarily a clone of you. Right. But it should be complimentary of you right, right? so perfect so you don't like and sometimes my my wife and daughter make fun of some of my uh clothing decisions you know and <laughs> classic and classic dad issue exactly. i have the same I one yeah i figured you yes, identify yeah, yeah. with that and you know i'm not saying you don't necessarily need to wear a polka dot shirt and a polka dot pants right. like you can wear a, a navy pair of navy pants with that polka dot yeah. shirt they complement each other you don't have to make it identical and i think and sort of and we're joking with this but obviously you know skill sets, which we're right. going to talk about in a minute, but that, you know, overlap, that that complement each other, that, right. you know, the person has a role. I mean, and let's let's keep going with the analogies, yeah. right? You know, if you have a basketball team, you know, you should have a center, you right. should have a couple of guards and a couple of forwards generally, you know? For sure. And uh, and that's what you're looking for different people to fill different roles. But I think, you know, yeah. from the practice owner standpoint, I think you have to be be mindful of what you're looking for, yes. you know, and then hire that person, you know. And, so, and it's
2: such a good point. I think, you know, one of the things that I could share, and, you know, if we're kind of speaking to the practice owner looking to hire their first associate, they're growing, they're stressed, you definitely want to hire a skill set that you can help them manage. So, what this means, Rob, in the world of dentistry, people say bread and butter dentistry, but I don't know why they say that anymore. No one eats bread and butter. So, kale and quinoa dentistry. So, to talk dentist for a minute, that's doing crowns, fillings night guards stuff that i could help my associate manage because i know how to do that so if you're looking for an associate with a skill set that's all specialty work that comes with a lot of challenges rob because what happens when things go off script what happens when their patient comes back from a specialty procedure that they did and they're on vacation and you can't manage some of those complications so i think what's important is first look for something that you can manage yourself skill set wise so that when they need help you can help or if their patient comes back and they need to see you you know what to do so i think most of the skill set should be that but then part of the skill set could be you know to use a nacho phrase extra toppings like placing dental implants that's something i like to do and you say oh man i've had this practice for many years send my patients need implants i refer them to an amazing specialist but i know 20 percent of them would stay in the office and if this associate can do this with competence for basic cases, then you can also now offer more procedures to your patients. So I'd say most of it's skill set that you do, but then look to do something that maybe you can offer patients that isn't there before.
1: Right. So maybe a mix in that case.
2: Yeah. Right. But not, over, not too much on procedures that you can't help manage because... An associate coming to your practice. Remember, this is your kitchen. They've never worked there. They haven't worked with the people. They don't know the utensils. Just because you know operatory three, there's another dental. So you got to hit. You got to bang the rheostat three times to make the drill work. That's more dental talk, Rob. But you know, I don't know how to make this in legal pads, sexy. right? I don't it know. Sounds but, very sexy. You know, uh, one of my favorite comedians, Sebastian Mascalco, he says, "I don't that's like great. to stay. In, I don't like to stay in people's guest rooms because there's always some sort of uh, <laughs> rules. Like you know, you got to hold the toilet handle down for ten seconds, right? Hot is cold, cold is hot. So that's a Sebastian joke. Don't uh-huh. give me credit for it. But that's kind of Funny with dentistry because we're doing all this technical work on people, full contact arts and crafts. So make sure that the work that your associates doing is one that you feel confident managing most of the time. Then look for some you know additional things that you can offer.
1: Yeah, and I I would suspect, and that's just a great point, Paul. And that's not not something I would have necessarily thought about. But there's probably a a, you know sort of a a lure, a temptation to try to grow your practice by hiring somebody who has that expanded skill set. And I guess depending on who that person is, if it's somebody that's an older, more experienced, I shouldn't say older, more experienced yeah. dentist that has done these things, then maybe it's easier to bring on somebody that's doing something that you don't right, do necessarily. Sure. But if you're in a, a mentor mentee right role with with a young associate and you're just letting that young associate do all this new stuff that you sure. can't do, it does sound like a recipe for disaster. Yeah.
2: It creates creates a lot of challenges. And you know, I think, you know, we talk through this time, PPE is means one thing, but to me it means positive patient experience. And I think that practice owners listening should say like, that's what you're shooting for, for the patients to have a positive patient experience with your associate. And it really is up to you as the leader to make that happen. It's not then too often I see on Facebook roof Robs, you know, I hired this associate, they had no idea what they're doing, they did it. most of the time. It's bad onboarding, bad training. Right. So start with success. Make sure the skill set and attitude is there. And you know, to you dig into attitude a little bit, there's no magical way to determine people's attitude. So you know, have them come observe at your practice for the day with no strings attached, and say. This is our game. This is how it runs. You know, what do you think of this? Is this pace good? You know, we know there's people out in Facebook land that see 58 patients a day. We know there's people that see eight patients a day. So I think the way to determine if their attitude's gonna be a fit is get them in the game with you and just let them observe.
1: And that's not a working interview, right? Right. Not oh. a clinic. I don't understand
2: the clinical. I'm gonna start calling that the clinical gauntlet audition. I mean, oh, I love it. I mean, Rob, I don't it drives me totally practice owners. Do not subject your associates because it's not its not fair to the patient. It's not fair to the associate. It's not fair to the assistant. And I don't, one of the things that, I'm a results-based person, it doesn't give you even a good idea if they're a fit. I mean, one snapshot of one tort that someone wrote, Rob, I don't know if I'm talking right. But maybe it's their best tort, maybe it's not. It's just unfair to judge people <laughs> body, to people's body of work on that especially on patients they've never seen before so i mean i don't know maybe we should do a funny you know legal version of this where you say walk into this client and tell them about their apa oh you don't know this client at all so when they walk in and the client is you know in in the dental world rob what if they don't open wide that's pretty tough i don't know how tough what clients do to be tough maybe they um don't prepare for people with challenges yeah i mean and you know them as the owner and even your existing associates know them Mm -hmm. so i mean imagine you you as a as a Legal practice, or you wouldn't want to walk into someone's legal practice and say, "Hey, just go work with this client on this thing." Surprise! So I think that you know, having them observe skill set, attitude is really good. And
1: as you said, you know, like they can you can gauge their attitude without trying to evaluate their clinical proficiency, like under the under the spotlight, you know, the the gauntlet or whatever you call it, clinical clinical gauntlet gauntlet audition, right? Yeah, Yeah. you know, and so uh, and and I think with that is you're trying to evaluate attitude. It's sort of like. Being at a party, you yeah. know, is this person? Are they getting along with everybody? You know, do they have a good way? They have, you know, are they pleasant with the patients? Are they pleasant with the other people yeah. that they're meeting? You know, do you feel like, hey, this is a good person to have in the office? For sure. You know, and I think a lot of times we all have that spidey sense to tell right. whether or not this is going to be a good fit. And uh, sometimes you should probably trust that right. spidey sense, right? And I think you know, as we move on, is this? That's just my my best practices for practice
2: owners and it is, you know, start your search early, give yourself options. So you don't feel like you are pigeonholed, use a cliche into this one person because of the only person you met. So I just think it's just good best practice for our practice owners to be able to evaluate multiple different candidates in a fun and friendly way and find the right fit for you.
1: And then, and so in doing that, you know, you really have to keep in mind what your, your midterm, short-term, yes. long-term goals are right with this.
2: Totally. So, I mean, I, I've, I've hired, you know, ten associates with specialists. I love doing it. I love working as part of a team. But if someone, you know, we had one of our speci- our associates move across the country, I used my own invention, Dennis Job Connect, to uh, help replace that as- associate who's awesome. But if that associate came in and said, "Hi, Paul, I'm here to interview you. I'm, i you know, really want to work with you. I can do all of this stuff, but I want to buy into this practice in the next year," it just wouldn't be the right fit for my mm-hmm. brother and I. It doesn't mean it's bad. It just means there's no place for that. If they said. I might want to be a practice over the next decade. Then I say, okay, well, maybe there's an opportunity for us to collaborate. So ask them about them without being too positive or negative, but just to find out. Right. Because you know what track your position is gonna be on. And if you have misaligned goals, there's gonna be friction at a point and they don't have to be perfectly aligned but just get some understanding you know sometimes associates say i can't believe i've been offered to buy into this practice i go how long have you been there 6 months i go well give it a little more time you sure you even wow. want to buy into it right <laughs> oh, and then you know a practice owner you guys practice owners I me mean, include sometimes your expectations aren't reasonable say Find me associates who only want to buy into this practice. I go, how do you know you're going to like working with them? So just ask yeah. some general mid-term, midterm and long-term goals. I mean, it just gets to help you to get to know your associate as a professional person, person as well. But you're going to hear things in that conversation that's going to say,
1: yes, this is going to be a fit, or maybe we're not aligned. Yeah, well, it goes to expectations, yeah. you know, and if, and if they have a totally different expectation, as you said, that you're not going to be, delivering on, be able to deliver on then you know it's just a matter of time before right. that relationship fails and you know and, and let's just kind of back up you know or i should say rise up yeah. big picture with all this stuff you know these are important decisions because there's a significant investment right. in the time to hire these people the time to interview them the time to onboard them the time to mentor them that you know right. just like any other investment you the time is in this context right. a, a big investment you want to see a return on For that sure. investment. And, and the uh, thing I was sharing at the
2: thing, we uh, our awesome boost was about ROI, relationships, opportunity, impact, not the money ROI. And the thing that I can share, Rob, is you know all of us feel frustrated when people leave us, good reasons, not so good reasons, moving across the country because they, oh man, I got to train someone new. But it's doubly hard when they've developed a lot of relationships with patients and now mm-hmm. the patients are disappointed to pay whatever happened to dr smith some of these are just normal circle of life things right, right. but if someone has a, such a short time frame before they want to leave and buy a practice your practice might might be or your practice might be the right fit for them because maybe you're the practice you maybe you're listening and you have 20 associates and five different practice and you say a year that great give me right. a year right but most solo practice owners are looking for to develop a relationship over longer term because they're going to be meeting their patients
1: Right. Well, but also, and the amount of time it takes too, and and the right. you see, the burden, the drain when you are a solo. Yeah, because. Yeah if you are a solo and you're onboarding somebody, you're mentoring somebody, when you're doing that, like nobody else is there to take care of it. It's not like part of this bigger organization where you have 10 people and one of them is spending time with this new young person. For sure. It's kind of like what we have here in our firm, you know, which is, I could tell you back in the day when I was a sole practitioner going from one to two or two to three, it's like, wow, okay, this is is tough, you know, but you know, the more people you have, you can kind of spread that around or the impact of one person spending a lot of time. But if you are, the, hate to use the word, producer in the practice, right? And you're taking your time to train these other people, this other person, like that's a huge investment. And you want to make sure that, you know, you're doing it for at least for as much as you can control it with an outcome that's going to be a long-term outcome that's going to be successful. And, you know, you want to do what needs to be done to lay the foundation for this being a successful Relationship. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, what's important to share with practice owners is
2: we should just be less judgmental, but more curious about these things. Because if I was auditioning for a new friend and they said, Hi, Paul, I like to kayak and I like to hike, I said, You're going to be a great friend for someone who's not me. Right. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that kayaking and hiking is a bad thing to do. It goes, I like going to museums and eating nachos. It goes, Sounds like you are a good friend for me. <laughs> so I think we just get too judgmental ourselves and we should just be curious and have these good conversations that's why you know as a practice owner and who to hire spend some time getting to know your associate just as much as a professional as a and as, as a person
1: because they go hand in hand right and especially in a small office like yeah that. yeah which most dental offices are uh one last area i want to touch on too paul is experience yeah right and so some of that is going to depend obviously on the nature of the position, what your goals are, if you're bringing in somebody who is a new or recent grad or somebody that is a, uh, a mad. Yeah, right, me right. medium dentist. Me you know the lingo, themselves. that's yeah, great. Yeah, I do. I should, it's been drilled into me enough. Or a sad even, yeah. right? seasoned-age so so dentist. Who might be an older dentist who has transitioned out of another practice or sold their practice or is looking for uh, some part-time work. You know, that's like, they, these are all very different, yeah. different people in different positions, but... Uh, you know, let's talk about what what is the importance of experience? I mean, it seems obvious, but it's certainly relevant. Well, I think there's two types of experience that we're alluding to. One
2: is clinical experience, the fillings and crowns, but the other is just professional experience in a work environment. So I'll just kind of, you know, go into some more details, but you can speak about this as much, much as I can with what right. you do. It's like, I say in the episode of Associates you know, focusing on associates and them getting jobs, I say, how often will I be the only dentist in the practice? Because if you're a new dentist, that can be very overwhelming. If you're a dentist, we just connected a dentist who's 60 who sold this practice with a group of people that own 29 practices. So that dentist is very comfortable being the only dentist in the practice. So for practice owners, my advice to you is to say, you know, three out of four days a week, you're going to be at this practice by yourself. How does that sound to you? Because it goes to the experience. If, you're, if you've done three crowns in dental school, and you're like, oh geez, who am I gonna ask for help? That experience problem raises, you know, becomes a challenge if they need someone to clinically help them, Right. and then also making decisions. So I think you you practice owners, you can be your input, Rob. It's really important to not just evaluate, oh, they did 14 root canals, or they did 87 extractions. It's how long have they been playing this game of dentisting, as I say, Mm -hmm. in the
1: real world, which comes with both the clinical, and Mm -hmm. I don't know, the school of real world hard knocks. Right, right, managing, working with people, yeah. dealing with, you know, solving problems. I mean, yeah. I mean, how much as a, right. as a practice owner, you know, it, it doesn't come up in your job description, or at least if you had a list, the 10 things that you do, or the top 10 things, problem solving is probably not on there, but it's probably what you do more than anything, yeah. right? I also feel like uh, experience is, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be clinical experience, either, right. or professional experience, I think, you know, uh, and we see this too in our world you know did this person ever have a job right. before you know and uh, i sound like some cr- old curmudgeon for saying this but you know the world has kind of changed yeah kind of right for sure, yeah. uh where you know people that are successful academically in college that get in, you know, people are successful academically in high school that get into a good college that are then able to be successful at college to get into dental school or law school in our case. uh, There's, it's, it's a very, uh, very challenging path academically, you know, and so back in the day where you didn't have that much homework and it was easy to have a job bagging groceries or working as a lifeguard or, Working in some sort of, you know, at the yeah. at the Gap or some sort of retail, like that was sort of a normal thing. Now, you know, between you know, sports, athletic right. th- commitments, you know, insane uh, expectations and uh, for homework, and yeah. you haven't gotten into this n- just evil world, which is out yeah, there with yeah, all right. that ball. But you know, it's hard for people to have job experience when they get out which i think is so
2: poignant i mean one of the things i was sharing i know when i come into this do this podcast you guys all ring a bell and say our favorite clients here paul goodman you know but really in in just to put context on it you work with a place with attorneys and your customers are not often walking in right Mm -hmm. so you really only have to deal with each other face to face and that's a whole thing but you're dealing with not even anymore yeah right like that's becoming a thing of the past you know it's like you have a team and i have a team at dental nachos and our customers don't walk in and we deal with each other, right? Mm-hmm. In a dental office, you deal with your team and the customer. So does the person have any experience with customer-facing jobs? Exactly, Because that is a whole different part of your brain. Mm-hmm. It, way different and way more difficult. Someone who's been a restaurant server, a dentist, head of Dental Nachos, head of Dentist Job Connect, a broker. I will share that being a dentist in a dental office where the customer's six inches from you and you're with your team and there's usually don't want to be there... Is an entire
1: skill set that nobody teaches you. Yeah, and 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 it's and it's becoming increasingly rare for somebody, a young person, yeah. a young professional, to have that experience. So, you know, we see this a lot where people submit resumes, uh, and they've never held a job. Right, You know, and it's here a, they are, they're 25 years old and it's their first job in their life, you yeah, know, and, and they've and done the things you said, thing. they,
2: they've run through all the hurdles done and they right. say I'm here, done everything but right. there's this whole, you know, we, the theme of this previous boost camp, which you were part of was communication. So key, you know, they asked the practice owner, how you double your practice That's how I talk to my patients. I was a nurse beforehand, right? This person was actually a hospice nurse. So uh-huh. he had some pretty right, difficult conversations yeah. and he went to dental school a little bit later. And he basically said, being able to talk to patients and navigate tough conversations is is difficult. Then you turn around, you have to navigate them with your team. So practice owners, just be aware and prepared that these amazing young dentists, new dentists who have done everything right and in some ways have learned these technical things that are far superior to anything we learned in the olden days, right? So they have a lot of value. But when it comes to working in an environment with people, they might have zero
1: experience and that's just something to really look out for. Or look out for, or the flip side, to look for somebody that has had that experience. Yes. So, I mean, I, and I don't know what the what the quantitative hiring thing is in, in dentistry. I mean, I don't know. Do you look at people's GPAs in dental school? Not usually. You don't usually look at that. You, it's, it's a lot of their... Uh,
2: Postgraduate experience. It's usually not the GPAs. It's really just some references. There's really not a lot of good standards for yeah. what people have done. It is nice to know what other things they've done besides dental school. Just to, you know, I was a restaurant server for years. I still use that as the example of why mm-hmm. I learned to deal with people
1: because you deal with a lot of problems. But mm-hmm. like you said it's it's solving problems, asking, answering questions, you know? Right. I mean, so if, if you're a practice owner and you see somebody who was uh, a waiter in a Mexican restaurant through college or maybe yeah. even in dental school, hey, you know, that's maybe somebody that you need to 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 bump up yeah. up in your list, and maybe they didn't go to as prestigious of a school as somebody else, but this might be somebody that was actually out there with with real world experience. Yeah, I mean, to say you know, it's a, to the A words, it's it's much easier to help train the
2: ability than train the attitude. I mean, it really is, and it's not even judgmental on people. It's not about bad attitudes. It's mm-hmm. just maybe outlook is the same, and you know, that's why I think. Uh, practice owners need to put themselves in environments with dentists looking for jobs. So they start to kind of, Get some insight. So when someone goes, I'll say, I'll I'll say sometimes Rob to a practice owner, if you're listening, I'm kindly annoying you. I say, oh, come to a Rosie's Taco Shop because you know we have all these awesome young dentists come, and you know you you might want to meet an associate. They go, I don't need one now. I go, well, you might need one later. Start practicing, right? (laughs)
1: Right. Start asking them some questions. How do you even know what a good one is and a bad one? You know, and 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 I'll let's maybe we'll wrap it up on this metaphor. It's like in wine, right? Right, Yeah. If you are a professional wine taster, sommelier, or somebody that's really Tasting wine for a reason, a purposeful wine yeah. taste, real call. Because yeah, like you can that. be an amateur as, as well. Like nobody drinks just a glass of Burgundy or a glass of right. Pinot Noir. You have at least two, three, five, six glasses of different wine yeah. in front of you. And when you read these tasting notes you say, wow, how are they able to tell that this one had blueberry and this one's like a little bit more red fruit and this? It's, it's, well, it's not easy, but. It, the only way it's possible is if you have five or six different yeah. samples in front of you to appreciate the nuances and the differences of each of those. And so, to your point, if you are at you know in Phil lucky enough to be in Philadelphia yeah. in the in the nacho orbit here in the the center of the nacho universe at Rosie's taco shop talking to associates, you're getting to know kind of what those nuances are. And if you have three people in front of you, you could say, this is kind of what I'm looking for. I like that, I don't like that. That's the type of person that I'm going to get along with or that's the type of person who's going to get along well in my office. And then you know what to look for. Such such a good point, Robbie. It's all about context. You know, find the Rosie's taco shop
2: near you. I mean there's there's events, there's study clubs. Just go and Hang out, as I say, and your practice owners. I mean, if we're talking to practice owners about, you know, who to hire, giving yourself multiple options. And also, this is what you're basically training yourself on the job pool that's out there. And if you you don't know it, it's going to surprise you. I'm sure that just goes for any business owner. For
1: for sure. That's, That's great. Great advice to wrap it up, Paul. Thank you. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, and if you like the podcast, please go on whatever platform you're listening to us and give us a five-star review. For sure. Thanks, Rob. Thank
0: you. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with The Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.